So we've been in, this is the second week um, of a series called You Asked For It, and as in the video you saw, we basically did a survey. We passed out some orange cards on Easter, and we asked you a series of questions. If you would like to hear me preach on any specific topic, what would you like to hear? And um, so yesterday, or yesterday, last week, we actually talked about um, how to hear God's voice and discern his will for your life. Um, just in case you're ever wondering, if you ever missed the message, you can go to osc.com or oscconnect.com, and you can play it back and listen to it again. But this was the second most asked question, and this is, help me with my stress. Um, so what do I do with stress? I'm overwhelmed. I've got a lot of things going on in my life. Um, I don't necessarily know how to juggle it all. I don't know how to handle it all. Does the Bible say anything about that? Here's one thing that I just kind of want to throw out there as a disclaimer this morning, okay? I am not here to help you cope with your stress. I'm just not going to do it this morning. So I want to throw this out there. The Bible actually demands if you want to deal with stress, then your life has got to change. Um, So your life has got to change. I'm not here just to help you cope with it and deal with it. Most people in Christianity, they want to continue doing the things that they're doing, and they just want to learn how to find joy within it. Um, And the gospel says if you want to find joy and peace in your life, then your life has actually got to change. So this morning, if you want to deal with stress, I'm just going to throw that out there in the beginning. You probably are going to have to walk away from here changing some things, asking some hard questions, and making some difficult decisions. But I simply believe this. One of the reasons that many people, um, including myself, I told my wife uh, this as we were preparing for the message. When I looked through and we tallied up all the different topics, I'm like, dang it, stress. Like, I don't even know how to deal with that one yet, and I got to preach about it. Um, So I read a lot. (laughs) Um, But no, I can honestly say in the past year, it's been something that God's constantly been teaching me um, and how to deal with it. But I think one of the reasons most of us are so stressed out is because of the fact that there's so many options that the world has to offer, and the truth is we want them all. Well, we want to be able to do everything. Most of us have a hard time simply saying no, so we just end up taking on a whole bunch of stuff, and we try to do it all, and we never do anything well. We just do a bunch of things, and we wish we could just do one thing. Um, here's a crazy statistic. My generation, my generation is going to work 180 hours more than the previous generation. 180 hours more. So this would mean that we're going to actually work an entire extra month than the previous generation. So instead of us putting 12 months of work in, my generation is going to work 13 months. So you say, mathematically, how is that even possible? It's possible because we live in a day and age where we don't value rest or sleep anymore. We don't value slowing down. We don't value stopping. So the reason that we can actually work 13 months is because most of us are probably getting three hours of sleep. Um, here's, a, here's another statistic for you. 80% of mothers feel overloaded and stressed. 80% of mothers also say they live a life of sleep deprivation. So they're, they're constantly stressed. Like, I've got little ones, I've got young ones, and he never sleeps. And then I wake up, and I've got dishes and all my house to take care of. And you end up finding yourself in this world that we would call stress. So, yet again, i got to say this again. Today, maybe you're in here, and you're saying, listen, Pastor Zach, I'm, I'm stressed out. I don't know what to do with it. What do I do? Remember this. I cannot help you cope this morning. 
Okay, but I can point you to Jesus, and my prayer um, this morning is that Jesus would begin to put his finger on some things in your life and begin to kind of poke and prod on them only like he can, and then you can walk out of here with an understanding, okay, Jesus is pushing on this, and these are probably some things in my life that has just got to change. So, I can boil everything down um, to what I want to talk about this morning into four words, simply this, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. The reason that the most of you are stressed in here is because you're doing way too much. Way too much. You're doing too much. So here's the deal. What you're doing right now, um, you're probably able to do it, right? But here's the question. Is it sustainable? How long can you stay at the pace that you're currently going right now before you just burn out? And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can keep running this fast. How long can you run 100 miles an hour? How long can you keep continuing down this, this road of just running full head of speed and, and, and uh, not burn out? So what you're doing might be doable right now, but is it sustainable? And here's the truth. If you keep going at the pace of life that you're going right now, it's going to destroy your life. It's going to destroy your life. A few years ago, um, over a, a various amount of things that I had gotten myself into and different jobs that I had taken um, and, and some choices that I had made, I had got myself to a point where I was so stressed out that I literally found myself in a doctor's office with stomach ulcers because I was so stressed out. So I'm like 25 years old going, why in the world am I dealing with stress like this? That is putting me like in a doctor's office asking the doctor like, what's going on? And it simply boiled down to me being so stressed out. So I want to read a verse to you and it's going to kind of set the tone for uh, what I want to talk about this morning. And it's actually in Job 9, uh, verse 25. And it says this, my days go by faster than a runner. You ever notice, like, you ever wait, if you have kids in here, you wake up in the morning, and you're like, how in the world did they get so big? Like, I have a, I have a six-year-old already. Like, that's, just, that's crazy. Um, so he continues, my days go by faster than runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. So here's the deal. We, we talked about it last week. Life can literally be compared to a, a vapor. Right? It's like you putting uh, uh, some water on a stove and boiling it and seeing the steam come up from it. And he's saying, James is talking about that is how quick life is. Now, the sad part about this, if life is quick, if life is to be looked at like a race and we're the runner, um, the, the sad part is most Americans were running really fast and we're trying to do all these things, searching for happiness, searching for peace, searching for joy. And then we're just like Job 9.25, but they go by so fast and I'm not finding any joy. I'm not finding any peace. Um, in other words, you're running around all over the place trying to accomplish a million things without really accomplishing anything. See, when you run around, it begins to take a toll simply on your physical body. When your days pass and you pass, when your days begin to pass you by without experiencing any joy, when you've expended yourself and you, you're doing all these things and you have all these activities going on, you sit back and you're kind of like, "Man, why am I doing all this?" So, I think to help us understand why we're so stressed, we first have got to understand why are we so busy. Why are we so busy? Um, Because I think if we can understand this, I think it will help us to somewhat fix um, how stressed we are. So, number one, 
We're so busy simply because we have too many choices. We have way too many choices. Um, I grew up, I was never really a fan of video games. Um, they just never really interested me. My brothers loved them. But I grew up in a day and age when, when you had video games and there was literally like two options, right? It was like Mario and Duck Hunter. Anybody remember like Duck Hunter? I cheated. Like I would get right up to the screen. <laughs> the TV's right there. My gun's like right here. I would like slay every duck. Um, that's about as far as my hunting skills go is Duck Hunter. Um, but nowadays... There's like thousands of video games that you, that, you can, that you can choose from. There's so many choices. There's even games like you don't even have to have a real live pet anymore. You can just take care of a virtual pet. That, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand it. When I was a kid, we used to have this thing called dirt. We'd actually go outside and play in the dirt and see the sunlight. So if you're a teenager in here, they have this thing called the road and a bike. Get on it. It might help you. Um, number two. So number one is we have too many choices. We have so many choices. Number two, there is so much social pressure. We stay so busy because of the social pressure that we have. This is going to sting a little bit, but if you can let this sink in, I promise you it will begin to change your perspective on some things. Most of us are not living the lives we want to live, but the life everyone else wants us to live. We're not living the life that God's designed for us. We're simply living the life that everybody is telling us we have to live by the pressure that they're putting on us. So we've got social media, you know, okay, so-and-so just posted a picture and I got to look like this or, or, or my boss says one thing and he wants me to do it like this and so I have to live a life like this. You ever notice people that for the sake they do, they, maybe they dress a certain way or they talk a certain way or they do things a certain way and they say that they do it all for the sake of being different. But then it's kind of crazy because they hang around the same people that all dress like they do and they all talk like they do. Like people that wear cowboy boots tend to hang around people that wear cowboy boots and have big trucks. You know what I'm saying? Like people, it's just like, I'm just doing it because I want to be different. Uh, have you looked at Crowley? Everybody kind of wears the same thing. You're not doing it for the sake of being different. You're doing it because you're under social pressure. And I, I need to look this way because everybody else looks this way and I want to be accepted. So number one, we have too many choices. Number two, there's too much social pressure. Number three, we believed we could have it all. We stay so busy. Here's, here's the problem. Many young people... Um, my age, are in so much debt because of the fact that they want to live the life that their parents are living right now. I don't know if you know this. This is a, this is a true st- a statistic. Americans spend 117% of their income. 117%. Uh, so, so this means that we want everything that our parents have without realizing our parents have everything they have now because they work 30 years to get it. And now the generation says, hey, my parents have a nice house, they have a nice car, they have nice stuff. Uh, Credit card companies allow me to get this stuff. I can get a loan, I can do all this stuff, I can pull it all out, and I can live this life. But the truth is, how long can you keep it up? And we live a life of stress. Last one, we believe we can do it all. We simply believe that we can do it all. Some of you are overestimating your abilities, and it's going to cost you big time. Like, you ever have those people that, like, I'm just, I'm not like everybody else. You know what? I can just keep going at 100 miles an hour. I can just, I can do it all. No, you can't. No, you can't. 
Listen, God has wired people differently, and this is not to be a knock on anybody. God has wired people where, where some people can get involved in three or four different things and simply not be stressed out. They can take it on. God's, you know, designed them to carry a, a certain load, and they're fine with it. And then there's other people, when they take on five or six different things, it just stresses them out, and they freak out, and they can't do it all. And listen, that's okay. That's okay. You can't keep at the pace that you're currently going now. So, I kind of set up for you why we kind of get stressed or why we stay so busy. Now, what do we do about it? What, what do we do about the stress? What do we do about the anxiety? What do we do about the worry? What do we do about all these things? Because the truth is, Jesus actually offers a better life than the one that you're probably living right now. Maybe, maybe you've been saved for a long time, but you're dealing with just like this overwhelming stress. You know, a lot of guys right now, man, the economy is bad, especially if you work in the oil field right now. So there's all these stresses going on. I mean, how am I going to sustain this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to provide, support my family and do all these things? And here's what I want to say to you this morning. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better to have less of what does not matter and more of what does. I found a quote, and it says this, The wisdom of life consists in the elimination of non-essentials. Ouch. The wisdom of life consists in the elimination of non-essentials. If you want to do more of what matters, then you have to believe it is better to have less. As Americans, this seems crazy, right? Have less? What kind of crazy idea is that? Because we all subscribe to the belief that more is better. Let me, let me give you an example to prove to you that we all believe that more is better. Um, so this morning, all of, most of you in here had a donut, right? Um, so one donut is good, but two donuts is what? Better, right? One donut is good, two donuts is better, right? Um, one scoop of ice cream is good, but two scoops of ice cream is what? Better, right? One dollar is good, but two dollars is what? Better. One wife is good, two wives, wrong. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what are some of you thinking? God, get your head out of the gutter. So, so we ascribe to this belief that more is better. We like to have more. Most of us spend our lives trying to get more. <laughs> I found this funny. Um, a student in seminary asked his professor, he said, Professor, why does Solomon have so many wives? Why was he able to get away with so many wives? And uh, the professor looked at him, he said, in hopes that one would be in a good mood in the morning. Uh, <laughs> he's probably right on that. Um, all right, so let's return to stress. Um, so here's some stats. Here's some stats to, yet again, kind of support my claim. In your lifetime, you're going to eat out 14,141 times. Um, that includes 1,811 trips to McDonald's in your lifetimes. That's a lot of hot and spices. Um, you spend, the average American is going to spend, thir- this, this is crazy, 13 years in 11 months watching TV. 13 years in 11 months watching TV. And you say you don't have enough time? Uh, it might be right there. 13 years, 11 months watching TV. Uh, You're going to spend five years waiting in line. You're going to spend one year, I hate this one, 
looking for misplaced items. Where are my keys? You're going to spend one year looking for misplaced items. You're going to attend approximately 35 weddings. You're going to drive about 627,000 miles, which is about 25 times around the world. So here's the deal. You have plenty of time. The, the, the chance is you're probably just giving it to the wrong things. You have plenty of time. If in your lifetime you spend 13 hours watching TV, we have plenty of time. And we live specifically in a society that says, man, I just don't have time for anything. I'm so busy. I think I just found some time for you. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this. It's better to have one handful of tranquility or peace than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. In other words, it's better to just have your hand in one thing and focused on one thing saying, okay, I can do this, I can accomplish this, rather than taking two handfuls and say, yeah, I can do this one, and I can do this one, and I can do this one. We talked about it probably about a month or two ago, but what it looks like to live a life of margin. Like where you actually have some time in your schedule where you can rest, where you can take some time off. It's better to live by design and not by default. See, God's designed each and every one of us to be different. He's designed each and every one of us to carry different loads. And chances are the reason that you're probably stressed out is because you're probably carrying a heavier load than God ever designed you to carry. So, Jesus actually designed us to run a race, but he also designed us to learn to stay in our lanes. We have a graphic that I want to show you real quick. They're going to throw up on the screen. Um, Here's what a lot of our lives look like. Like our time, our energy, and our resources. If you were to look at these arrows, this is, you know, baseball practice. This is watching TV. This is social media. This is all these different things that we give our time to. Maybe you picked up an extra job, whatever it is. And a lot of us, the reason we're so stressed out is because we're we're going so many different directions and we don't learn how to stay in our lane. We can't learn to be focused. Throw up the next graphic. This is what our life should look like. Because once you understand what God's plan for your life is, you're laser focused. I said this last week. God's plan for your life is not confusing. It is crystal clear. It doesn't mean that it's going to be difficult and that there's not going to be bumps in the road. But you know exactly what you're supposed to do. I spoke with a guy on the phone the other day who's in the middle of the oil field and, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And I said, hey, listen, I don't know what's going to happen either. But I do know this. If you continue to do what God has called you to do, he's going to take care of you. And that, that, might, that may sound cliche or whatever, but I am just absolutely convinced every single time that I have continued down the path that God has for me, it works. It just works. So here's the truth. If your life looked kind of like all those arrows where there's no priorities, if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. If you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will do it. Your, your credit card company will gladly prioritize your finances for you. Like they will, you ever notice, like if you have a credit card, my wife and I, we have one, and there's a reason that we only have one. 
But I, I'll get emails oftentimes, and it's like, uh, well, you can increase your credit limit and get a crazy deal, and if you go and buy this, then we'll help you do this. Of course they will. They want you to put more on it, right? The reason some of us are so stressed out in those things is because we don't have a plan, we don't have priorities, and we're giving our time away to so many different things. Some of you are sitting in here this morning, you're going, man, it seems everybody has a plan for my life, but I don't even know what God's plan for my life is. Man, everybody has a direction for my life, and everybody's telling me what I should do and where I should go. Here's the question, what is God telling you to do? What is God telling you to do? Not, not what is Facebook telling you to do? Not what is Google telling you to do? What is God telling you to do? Last week, if you missed last week, we, we talked about this last week, uh, how to hear from God and how to discern what his will for your life is. But what is God telling you to do? In Psalms 139, 16, it says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Meaning that God has a plan for your life. So here's the truth. It's better to get the right things done, not more things done. We've got to learn to get the right things done, not more things done. We have to learn to live our life intentionally and on purpose because God has a specific plan for my life and for your life. And here's the truth. When you're overloaded, when you're stressed out, when you're giving your energy away to all these different things, it's really hard to hear from God. It's really hard because your mind is so cluttered with all these things that you have to do. So we need to stop measuring our life by how many things we get done and start measuring our life by how many of the right things that we get done. Proverbs 17.24 says, An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. So we're, we're laser-focused. So, I just spent some time exposing why we're stressed, um, and now I want to give you some practicals on how to change, okay? As I said earlier, here's the deal. I don't want to help you cope with your stress, because if you're stressed out, this is the bottom line. You have to change something. There are things that are on this list that we call life and things that we're doing that you're just going to have to make some hard decisions and remove them from your life. So, Hebrews 12.1 says this, let us throw off Everything that hinders. So if there's anything in your life that is keeping you from being able to hear from God and discern what his will for your life is, get rid of it. He says, in the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's really hard to run to the finish line when you have all this stuff that you're dragging behind you. So number one, regularly take inventory. Regularly take inventory. A lot of us need to learn to stop and evaluate, hey, what man, what's going on in my heart right now? Ask yourself this question, am I doing the right activities? Now, unfortunately, um, many of us ask ourselves this question when somebody just maybe unexpectedly dies, right? Ever sit in a funeral and it's, Everybody is sad that this person is gone, but there's also, I promise you, in that audience, there's this deep internal reflection of like, man, if that was me, am I ready? Like, 
could I go and, and stand before Jesus and just be just totally okay with it and at peace? So most of us ask ourselves that question when we sit in a funeral or we hear about a loved one or a friend or a family member that dies. But other than that, we usually just continue about our lives doing our, our own thing and never pausing and never stopping. We should ask ourselves daily, are the things in my life that I'm doing that I should not be doing? Psalms 39, 4 through 5 says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. Life is short, really short. And so many of us are entangled in this stressful, overloaded, busy life. And the reason that we're so stressed out is we're doing things that honestly don't even matter. So let me give you, I'm just going to give you a personal example. I'm not saying that you need to do this. This is just what I do to regularly take inventory of my own life. So once a month, um, I literally turn my phone off, turn my computer off, turn the emails off. I don't get on Facebook, nothing, and I hide at a coffee shop. I sit there, I bring a few books, I read, I pray, I talk to God. God, is there anything that I, that I should be doing that I'm not doing? Are there things that I am doing that, that grieve you? It, how can I be a better father? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better pastor? I begin to ask myself these questions. And honestly, it's become one of my favorite times of the month to be able, I already love sitting alone sometimes by myself with a book or whatever. But when I get to turn everything off and I get to shut down and just go, okay, God, me and you. What's going on in my heart? What's going on in my life that is not right? And something crazy happens after I do this. I always feel refreshed. I always feel renewed. And I feel like I can go back and enter into life. And though it may be busy and though it may be crazy at times, I'm not stressed out. Because I learned to regularly take inventory. And listen, I don't always do this well. There's definitely times when I I have the day and I take inventory and I meet with Jesus and it's amazing. And then I get in and uh, come home and kids are screaming and all this kind of stuff. And I regularly snap back into the, oh my God, can I just go back to the coffee shop? So I'm not saying that I always do this well, but this one verse that always haunts me. And I think haunt would be the, the, the best word I could use to describe it. It's Proverbs 4.23, and we read it last week. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So listen, whatever is coming out of you externally is only a reflection of what's going on in the inside. You're short-tempered, there's something going on in here. Man, you don't know how to treat people or talk, or you just blow up easily. There's something going on in here. I'm absolutely convinced that the, if the devil cannot steal um, your salvation away from you, what he is going to do to distract you is keep you so busy that you never have to think internally. So what he does is he just robs your joy from you. He just takes that away because there's nothing more miserable than a Christian that doesn't have joy. There's nothing more miserable than a person who knows the truth but never experience, experiences the fullness of Jesus. Here's what I've learned. 
in my short 29 years here on, on earth, nothing stays where you left it. Nothing. So, so let me give you an example. Men, you can't romance your wife one time and think that you're going to be good three years from now. Bro, I bought the flowers. I did the thing like a few years ago. We should be good, right? <laughs> no. Ro- like if you think that right now, let me help you. Leave here and go buy some flowers. <laughs> now. <laughs> like get up right now and leave. <laughs> and we'll all point at you. I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Nothing stays where you left it. So, so could it be possibly the reason that you're so stressed out and you can't hear from Jesus is because you haven't spent time with Jesus in a long time. And the reason you feel miserable and the reason you feel disconnected is because nothing stays where you left it. Nothing. You can't just wake up in the morning and if you haven't spent time with Jesus in months and say, man, I, just, I feel so connected to you, God. No, you don't. You feel so distant, and the reason you feel so distant is because you haven't spent time with him. We have to consistently evaluate. We have to consistently make changes daily, and we do it all over again and again and again. So here's the deal. It's not enough to just evaluate, which leads me to point number two. Now you've got to make tough decisions tough decisions. Make tough decisions. I'll just, I'm going to shoot straight with you, okay? Some of you are too people-oriented to do this one well. Some of you are too people-oriented to do this one well. You would rather people like you than do the right thing. The truth is, though, if you want to alleviate and get rid of stress in your life, you have to make tough decisions. You have to be able to go to your boss. You have to be able to go to your work. You have to be able to look at your friends and say, I can't do this. There is this word that you need to allow to roll off of your tongue. No, no, no. (laughs) No. I would love to be there, but I can't. I would love to do that with you, but I can't. All of us have something in our life that we need to get rid of. All of us, including myself. All of us have something in our life that we need to get rid of. And here's the truth. The quality of your life would be so much better if you could just learn to make decisions of letting go of things of making tough decisions and saying no. So let me give you an example. This is just something that my wife and I do, and I'm not telling you you have to do this. Here's a tough decision. We haven't really had to make it a lot. But um, most of my firsts of things that I shouldn't ever have done were at a friend's house, like sleeping over at a friend's house. The first time I saw something that I should have saw at a friend's house Like, the first time that things happened to me that I shouldn't have been involved with were always done when I slept over at somebody's house. So my wife and I have talked about it. Claire and I just simply do not let our kids go sleep at other people's houses. It's just a conviction that we have. I'm not saying that it's wrong or that it's right. It's just a tough decision that we made. There's literally only two couples in the world that our kids can can sleep at. My parents... 
Not even her parents. Her parents are a little crazy. I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> they're not here, and they live in Texas, so I can say that. Uh, Miss D, don't listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> it, it's my parents and, and literally my brother and sister-in-law, which is Claire's sister. Um, we do not let them sleep at, at people's houses. And it's nothing against anyone in here. And some people may get offended by that. I don't know that that pastor, he thinks it's too good to come over to my house. That you don't, I would never touch it. That's great. I love you, but they're not coming over. They're just not sleeping at your house. It's just a personal conviction that we have. And so sometimes that means, what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to offend people. And some people just don't like that. I could tell you, and this I don't mean to switch the, the moment for a second. I know stories, personally, I know stories of a parent that did not stand up for their kids. They did not feel right about their kid going over to a particular house and something that night happened to that child. When the parent, even though they should have said no, they didn't, but because they wanted to say yes because they wanted that couple to like them, they gave in to what the, the social pressure was. Something happened. Something happened. So listen, if it, if it ever happens, I'm just going to throw that out there now. If you ever want my kids to come over to your house, ain't happening. <laughs> just not. And it's nothing against anybody in this room or anybody. It's just a personal conviction that we have. And these are the tough decisions that we have to learn to make. Listen, tough decisions are not always popular. But here's the truth. If you will learn to say no, you will trade popularity for respect. You'll trade popularity for respect. It's not about everybody liking you, but people will respect you, which is a totally different thing. Psalms uh, 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. And, And get this, help us to spend them as we should. Help us to spend them as we should. Sometimes it may be easier to say yes, but it leaves you, does it leave you spending your time as you should? Some of us are simply, I said it earlier, some of you are so stressed out because you say yes to everything. Some of your, fa- like you should leave here and if you get anything from this sermon, just learn to say no. I love you, but no, I can't, I can't do that. Number three, focus on what matters most. Focus on what matters most. So here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with doing things that don't matter. Okay? There's, there's nothing wrong with having a hobby. There's nothing wrong with watching TV. There's nothing wrong with doing any of those things. Just don't let them be first. Because if you're not careful, the things that don't matter will quickly become the things that entangle you. Focus on what matters most. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So, the question is, what matters most? What is it that really matters most? Or, or better yet, will it matter a hundred years from now? Will it matter a hundred years from now? So, so here's the thing. Three things that matter most. Number one, God matters. God matters. Listen, 
whether you agree with any word that I'm saying this morning, every single person in here has the same destiny. Every single person in here has the same destiny. You know what it is? You're all going to die. (laughs) Dang, that's harsh. It's just the truth. Every single person in here, whether we have different vocations, different passions, we all will do the same thing. Nobody escapes death. There was one person that did it. His name was Jesus. Everybody in here is going to die, which also means that every single person in here is going to face judgment one day. It says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So even if you believe these words that are coming off of my lips right now, or if, 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 even if you don't believe them, one day you will die. And one day, everything that I've been telling you and everything that I've been saying, everything that you've been hearing about Jesus will one day make sense to you whether you want to believe it or not. See, where you spend eternity will depend on how much God matters in your life. That's just the reality. Some of us are so stressed and so overwhelmed with all these things that simply don't matter that we literally miss out on the most important thing, which is God. Luke twelve fifteen says, Then Jesus said to him, said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm not saying you can't have possessions. I'm not saying you can't have stuff. just want you to remember that in the end, it burns. In the end, it doesn't matter. He continues in Luke 20, verse 20, uh, Luke 12 Um, 20 through 21, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. So I want you to back up just a little bit. It says, this very night your life will be demanded from you. I want you to just focus for a minute on how short life is and how much God should matter to you. Here's the deal. Um, most of you know the story. It was all over the news. And, um, but Pastor Jacob, uh, who leads our, our Broussard and Lafayette campus, um, his son was driving a motorcycle, driving home. And a car pulls out from the, from the Grand uh, Theater, doesn't see him. And just Wesley hits the the uh, car on his motorcycle and kills him instantly. I mean, just like that, life is gone. It's over. I mean, and, and most of you have very, very like personal stories where you know people that that's happened to. Like you were sitting down talking to them with Wesley. I literally uh, a week before he had died, I was sitting in a restaurant eating tacos with the guy here in the church. And Pastor Jacob and Wesley walk in, and we were able to talk with them for a little while, and that's the last time I saw them. Like, you, you don't, we live in this life where we're so busy and we're so doing in our own lane and so focused on our things and our stuff and what we've got to do and what we've got to get done that we, we fail to realize how short life really is. What would it look like if we were rich in God and not rich in stuff? 
See, God must be at the top of the list in your life. Here's the deal. Having a relationship with Jesus is not about going to church. It's not about reading your Bible. It's not even about praying. You want, the reality is having a relationship with Jesus is meaning that God owns your life. Like he owns your life. You submit your will and your wants and your desires and your passions to him and you say, God, you do with me whatever you please. Most people think that Christianity, uh, check it off the list, I just went to church on Sunday, me and God are good. Then why are you so full of just anger? And why are you so stressed out? And why are all these things happening? It's because God is not at the top. If you go back to that graphic, because your energy is being spent so many other places that God isn't even one of them. So number one, God matters. And number two, people matter. People matter. So you ever hear um, uh, somebody say, or maybe they stood up here, or maybe I've said it, I don't know. Um, hey, You know, everything that you own, you can't take it with you to heaven, right? That's partially true. Um, Nothing that you possess, you can take to heaven with you. But the truth is, you can take people with you. You can take people with you. And the sad thing is, is that we expend so much time and energy acquiring stuff when maybe we have a loved one who doesn't even know Jesus, at the end of the day, when you do die, you can take somebody with you. With You You can introduce them to Jesus. Hey, I want to tell you about this radical, crazy love that's changed my life, and I want you to experience the same thing, because when I die, I want you to be with me. You can take people with you. Everything that you've worked so hard for will not come with you, except for the people that you invest your life in. Here's the truth. You probably can't name the past five messages that I've preached. You can't do it. I, I guarantee you, you can't do it. But I can promise you, you can give me ten people that have impacted your life. You can give me ten people that have impacted your life, good or bad. So you know people that have influenced, man, this, when he said this, or when he was there for me at this, or when she did this, or when she was there for me in my worst time, I mean, it changed... You can name people that have changed your life. So the entire Bible can actually be summed up into one thought. It's in Galatians 5, 13 through 15. Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up into a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Love one another. Your life is better with people. Your life is so much better with people. It's, it's the reason that we want you to go through next step. And we, wanna, we don't want you to just be another person here in church. We want you to know people. We want you to do life with people. If you haven't signed up for next step, you can do that online. I would strongly encourage you to do that. This is how you get introduced to people that can introduce you to community and what family looks like. Ecclesiastes 4.12 goes a little further and it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
you need people more than you think you do. Listen, let me, let me talk to the men real quick here. Um, so many men falsely believe that life is better when you can handle all of your issues on your own. They also believe that they're stronger when they don't tell anybody about their problems or their weaknesses. Here's the truth. It takes more of a man to go to another godly man and say, these are my struggles, these are my weaknesses. It's a whole lot easier to hide it and to fake it than it is to get real with who you really are. It just is. And a lot of men believe the lie, like, man, I I don't need to say anything, I don't need to do anything, because I want people to have this perception of me. I need to stay strong. When on the inside, man, you're just like dying inside. You need people. So number one, God matters. Number two, people matter. The last point I'm going to make, and we're going to wrap this up. Number three, eternity matters. Eternity matters. Matthew 3, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. So you know what that means? The man, he didn't own the field. He's just walking along, he digs it up, he sees a treasure chest. Hey, I don't own this field, but maybe if I sell everything that I have, I'll go buy this field, because <laughs> I know that the treasure is there. So this is what this verse is alluding to. It's saying, can you take everything, all of your hopes, all of your desires, all of your dreams, and can you just, can you bank it on Jesus? Can you give away everything that you have, like all your ideas of how life should be, and say, God, you know what? My chips are all in. I'm all in. I'm totally leaning and trusting on you. See, this is why we give, this is why we serve, this is why we pray, this is why we labor, because this life is temporal and it's not forever, and we want to spend our time doing the right things. But the reason that I give to this church, because I know that I'm giving to eternity. I know that in that action, that I'm not just doing something that matters right now, I'm doing something that's going to last forever. So here's the deal. Many people start the race well, they just don't end well. And it's not about how you start, it's about how you end, right? The reason many people, I can't tell you, and it just breaks my heart when I see this. I see so many people just get, and it's like, man, they... They get to know Jesus, they get fired up, they're passionate about it, and then life kind of slams them over the head a few times, and they're like, it doesn't work, I'm out. I'm out. It doesn't work. Here's what I want to prepare you for this morning. Is that eternity is the only thing that matters. It's what matters. The reason that we make the decisions that we make is because they should be, we should be thinking about eternity. But most of us are thinking about life right now and the temporal. How is this decision going to affect tomorrow? The question that I have for you is, how is this decision going to affect the rest of your life? How is it going to affect the rest of your life? How is it going to affect the way that you view and see Jesus? So the reason that I want to challenge you to look at your life this morning and say, okay, what are some things that I just don't need to be doing anymore? Because once you start shoving those things away 
And once you allow, start allowing God to start working on your heart, then here's what happens. You can hear God a whole lot clearer. And you start to discern and understand, okay, this is the path that God, you're calling me to do. This is the life that you're calling me to live. And at the end of the day, that's the most fulfilled and joyful life that you can ever live. Don't buy into the trap that you need to just, I need more, I need more stuff, I need to run around, I need to do this, I need to do that. And you say yes to all these things, I want people to like me, I need to give in to that social pressure, whatever it is. So let me close with this. It does not matter how you started. So, so maybe you came in the church, if you, maybe you tried church out before, and you're like, man, I tried it before, and maybe I'm here today, I'm trying it out again, maybe. Maybe you're in here and you're like, man, I'm glad the lights are low in here because I was pretty hungover last night. <laughs> and you're having a hard time focusing and seeing, I don't care. I don't care. Listen, uh, just a pet peeve of mine. I talk to so many people that say, man, I can't go to church because of what I've done or, you know, I haven't cleaned myself up yet. I honestly, I do not care what you've done. Quite frankly, because I don't think Jesus cares. He just wants you to say, you know what? Yes, I've had a past. I've done this and I want to deal with it. I want to get right. But God, I'm willing to get on the train and start the race because I want to end well. Because I don't know what my life is going to look like five years from now. Better yet, I don't know what my life is going to look like five minutes from now. I I don't care what the past looks like. I don't care what you've done, what road you've been down. Jesus doesn't either. Just get on the bus right now. Make a decision to say, okay, I'm going to make some hard choices and I'm going to start. 